Hi, I'm Sean O. McCarthy, founding editor of The Comics Comic, found wherever you can type The Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. Today's guest is Lil Rel Howery. You may recognize Lil Rel as one of the Friends of the People, which is currently in its second season on True TV on Thursday nights. This summer, you can see him as a cast member on the new primetime series, The Carmichael Show, which airs Wednesday nights on NBC. And on September 5th, Lil Rel will have his first hour stand-up special on Comedy Central. Presented by Kevin Hart, it's called Relevant. So let's get to it. I'm here with a little rail. How are you doing? I'm doing good. What's good with you, man? Oh, it's just a hot dog day afternoon <laughs> in New York City. It's very. You know what's funny? I I brought. I didn't wear to bring the right clothes, so I had to go to H and M and and uh, get some short sleeve stuff. I, I don't know why I didn't think it was hot in New York. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I, I felt. And it was funny. Like this, is the only place you won't even look weird wearing a sweater. Because then you'll see somebody with a coat on, right. and everybody just think you're just a weirdo walking around. But I would think it would be the ver- reverse out in L.A., where they would, the temperature would hit 70, and they go, oh, it's it's cold. got to put on my sweater. Well, they do, and, and that's I've been out in L.A. I mean, I'm from Chicago, so you know I know about cold, but this was like, I, I, it's just way hotter than I thought. Like, I don't think it was this hot last summer. <laughs> and I was in New York last summer. I don't remember it being that hot. Well, this is our first, they've been saying on the news, this is the middle of August, 2015, and they're saying this is our first heat wave, bona fide heat wave in two years. Wow. So Yeah, that's real, because it wasn't that, that hot. I mean, so the only thing it makes, I mean, you got people and cars and pollution, that makes it hot, but yeah, it wasn't that hot last summer. I was looking for hot days. But then again, your career hasn't been hotter. Oh, because I'm Segways. on fire! <laughs> <laughs> You're on two TV shows, you got an hour special coming out on Comedy Central. Yeah. Now, Kevin Hart is presenting... Mm-hmm. Your Comedy Central special. Does when you're standing with Kevin Hart, does he call you Little Rel? Yeah, he called me Little. Or Rel. does he call you Big Rel? Since nah, I mean you know, <laughs> Kev, as small as Kevin is, you know he has a he has a um, a big personality. It's so funny how little he is, but <laughs> I, I can't even describe it. It's, he still has a cool little boss mentality, but he's a really small person. Yeah, and sometimes I had those moments where I'd be like this little dude. But then he like works out a lot, so he's really strong. He's a strong little man. That's, that should be the next special. It should be called Strong Little Man. <laughs> I think once you're once you're that compact, you're tightly wound, and that's what gives him the energy. Man, that dude. I mean, you know, he's strong. Like sometimes he'll like, you know, I think one day we were shaking hands. I guess I don't know if he was just trying to show his strength, you know, but it, <laughs> it hurt a little, man. It's like, what you trying to do, man? I know you. I know I'm taller than you. I ain't trying to fight you, bro. So when when Kevin Hart shakes your hand like that, do you shake back harder? Do I do. I do that when of- any man does that. So if I if you shake my hand hard, there's only one time where I I had to like really be like, hey man, stop. Like I'm good. I'm good friends with Terry Crews and he's he's really strong. Oh yeah. But he don't mean to do it because he's a big guy. And you be like, hey man, could we just just give me some dap, <laughs> man? I'm not grown enough to shake your hand like that yet, bro. <laughs> But this is this is kind of an amazing moment for you. Do you do you recognize what's happening being on Friends of the People on True TV and 
the Jared Carmichael show, which mm-hmm. is on NBC in prime time, and then having an hour special all at the same time. Yeah, I was telling because my manager agents, we were talking about this, and they were like, you, "Are you excited, man? You're juiced." And I'm like, I got excited when I first get the stuff, you know. So when I found out Comedy Central or was gonna have an hour special, it was gonna be on Comedy Central. Oh, I'm excited! Or when I first found out, I picked up the NBC show or Friends of the People. So I, after that becomes work, and I want to see what happens. So now it's like I want to see, you know, the results. I want to see how the Carmichael show does. See if a bunch of people gonna watch it, or I want to see if people gonna love the special and bootleg it. Cause, you know, I'm not encouraging that, but I'm okay with it. You know, that's your first hour. The streets need to see it. <laughs> so if they bootlegging it, it's funny. Now, is this what you imagined your life would be like when you were growing up in Chicago? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I sound crazy, but I was one of those kids that knew I wanted to do this. At what age? When I first started really telling my family this is what I want to do, it's probably like 10, 11. That young? Mm-hmm. What about when you were younger than that? Did you have anything else you wanted to do when you grew up? I mean, play ball. You know what I mean? I love sports. I, you know, because this, this is the thing about it. If I wasn't doing this, I'd either be some type of coach mm-hmm. Or scout, you know what I mean? <laughs> I work for an NBA. Pro- like that was my mindset. If this, if I was gonna be an entertainer, I was gonna be behind the scenes in some type of sport, type of thing. Yeah. But what happened by the age of ten that made you flip that switch? Was there somebody you heard or somebody you saw that that kind of flipped the switch in your mind? It was a couple of things. It was I was already doing stuff like plays and stuff at church and at school as a kid. Like I used to be like they couldn't. I couldn't wait for Black History Month. Like oh, it's Black History Month playtime. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> it was a big deal at our church to have a Black History Month play. So every year I was always wanted to be in the Black History. All right, okay, that doesn't matter. Did you, get, what, did you get in those I, plays? Always. What? Yes. <laughs> I was a star attraction at church's anniversary banquets that we did. Like, like do the, do those speech again. The one, just do your singing. And I'll do it. But uh, <laughs> how's, your, how's your singing voice? My sing. You know what's funny? I'm not a bad singer. <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm not saying I'm like because the know. church play is gonna have some good songs in it. Yeah, but you a kid, you know you ain't gotta hold a note, note. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just say a couple of kid funny things. You just say Jesus loves me. The kid be like, ah. <laughs> but you ain't really gotta hold a note. But that was it. And then I used to watch, uh, and I just tell somebody this: Louis Anderson used to have a stand-up show that came on NBC uh, on late Friday nights. I think no, after. late late Saturday, late Saturday night, after Saturday night, after Live. Saturday night Live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'll be on late, and I'll just be up watching it. So that's how I became a fan of Louis Anderson. But it was just so funny to me. And honestly, that was one of the best t- TV stand-up shows I've ever seen, man, because the comics was really doing their... Oh, I watched their, that every week. Man, that was such a great show, man. And I, it's a lot of comics I walk up to, and I'm like, yo, I saw you. And they're like, dude, how old are you? You know what I mean? Like, it make them feel old. Like, it was people, I was just like, Louis yeah. C.K., Tony Woods, it's a it's a bunch of guys that was on that show. And yeah, because that was the late nineties. Oh, that was it was a yeah. and Louis hosted it the right way. Like if you was funny, he would laugh. He would when you know when you're done with your set, he'll come back out there. Like, oh, that was funny. We'll be right back. But he and he was always Louis Anderson is a, is an underrated comedian. Nobody talks about him, but I respect his voice and his honesty. And like he didn't, he always had something new to say. It wasn't always the same stuff. You really didn't know what he was gonna say. And he had like such a dry, but like just hilarious demeanor. Big, so that was a one of the reasons. Saturday Night Live and watching that show on mm-hmm. Saturday made me addicted to it. And then In Living Color took it, you know, that took it over the top. So how did you? What did what did you do to pursue that um, when you were when you were even just a teenager? 
All I did, I mean, I continued to be in the plays and stuff. Now, mm-hmm. I started writing when I was in high school. I started learning to write scripts. And I used to just do it for fun. I didn't even do it to show anybody. I just did it for fun. And then um, I did a play in high school to me that confirmed, like a, one of the teachers let us do a play in high school and let us, the students write it. Mm-hmm. And I wrote all the funny stuff in it. And, you know, I went to like a good, you know, lean on me ghetto school. You know what I mean? So they heckled like, <laughs> somebody come up and say, you could be somebody. Man, shut up. No, I can't. I'm like, I ain't. You know, so they'll heckle anybody, even if mm-hmm. they were speaking positive to them. So if you if you impressed them, it was a big deal. So when we did the play, and I'll never forget when I got I got that first big laugh off one of my lines, that was it. That was that roar was like, that's what that feel like. Yeah. After that, I was addicted to it. I'm like, oh, I got it. This is it. I don't want to do nothing else. At what age did you first walk into a comedy club? <sighs> 19. What was, the, what was the club? Uh, it was a club, Entis, uh, Chicago comedian named Damon Williams hosted every okay. Wednesday. I wasn't even old enough to get in there, so I went in. <laughs> See, this is what I used to do. Chicago Sun-Times has, a, every Friday, they have a weekend the, the a weekend paper that comes inside a newspaper to tell you what's going yeah, on. Yeah, the, the tabloid weekend. entertainment section. Right. Yeah, so yeah. I used to look at the list of the comedy clubs just for no reason. So I've been reading this since I was 14, the list. So I always remember what clubs was going on. So I decided one night, you know, I'm like, I'm gonna just go. And I went early because I wasn't supposed to get in. It's 21 and up. But I, I was there with the janitor. I, I helped set up just so he wouldn't card me. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I sat there and and uh that was the first time I went up and it was it was it was rough, but I did it. <laughs> did, <laughs> did that club have a regular open mic or yeah, it was like a, but it was but see, it wasn't like a reg. It was an open mic, but not an open mic. Like all the dudes was amazing. These dudes I've seen all on Comic View and all this stuff over the years, and I'm like, oh, I can't go. And then this is when they, you know, back, you know, back then they was mean, so they didn't put the new people up in the beginning. Oh no, they let people destroy it. Yeah, six comic straight. Like, ah, right, y'all want to see something new? And then you go up there, I know facial hair, looking like somebody's baby. I got heckled by this lady. Who baby is this? You need to be home. Like, shut up, lady. Uh, but. <laughs> It was a it was a crazy. I'll never forget that. I mean, it was a tough set. You know, I, like one of my boys. He's a he's like all of our favorite comedy DJ. We have a comedy DJ in mm-hmm. Chicago, and at that time I hated him because I was when I was bumming, I was still up there, and he started playing "Someone Please Call 911" <laughs> by White Cliff, and it was the saddest walk off the stage. <laughs> and I didn't leave the club. I just sat there just grinning the whole time because you know you're so embarrassed. What can you do? Yeah. You could try to play it off. How would you compare that to the amateur night at the Apollo, where they? It was almost really a, it's almost the same off. thing, to be honest yeah. with you. So, I, so, but it's not the Apollo. So you're like, why are y'all doing this here? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a regular comedy club. But Chicago has always had a very vibrant scene. I'm trying to think of the name of that documentary that came out a few years ago about. Oh yeah, about uh, all jokes aside. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's called uh, well, it's about all jokes. All aside. jokes aside. We got with the documentary. But that's uh, Mary Lindsay, who owns Jokes and Notes, was one of the owners of all jokes, who's who's like my second mother, really. Jokes and Notes was my home, and that's where like I was able to just create. You know, I had I had a, I hosted an open mic Wednesday night, mm-hmm. and it was like a, it was one of the I always like like D Ray Davis and even Bernie Mac. All these dudes had these great nights of comedy. Damon Williams, you know, if you was from Chicago, you had to have a great night, and you know, for our generation. That Wednesday night I had at Jokes and Notes was, man, it was, I used to have like Chicago Bears players there, Bulls players. Everybody would be packed in there, a bunch of bad chicks in there. I, it was crazy. 
every dope deal he could think of was there. And it was funny because it wasn't a regular comedy crowd, which I always tell, I tell comics, this, a lot of comics think it's cool just to promote at comedy shows. I think mm-hmm. that's stupid. Like, go get the audience that's not usually there. That's who you. That's how you build your own audience. Not try to get somebody else's audience, get your own audience. And um, that's what I did, and it's so funny now because I had to like, I had to groom some of these dudes. Some of these dudes I grew up with real street dudes, and then no, hey bro, you can't be talking while the cut be roasting. But it's when I see them now, now they like these comedy gurus. Now, like, oh yeah, I went to see. Like, Get out of here, fam. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know. So, it's, it's but just, you did that. But but it, but I thought you I taught think that's, them how to how, that, to, how to dope. appreciate a comedy show. And they, because comedy shows are great, man. So, yeah. you know, if it's done right, this is some people, people will be addicted to coming to something they know this is going to give them that midday week thing they need. And it was one of the funnest two years of my life doing that. And it was packed every week. So, for those two years, did you just concentrate on that and not so much on trying to get real yeah. gigs? Or, I, well, I mean, it was, it paid well. So, mm-hmm. I, I would get gigs because of that. So, it was a perfect marriage. I do Wednesday and then I work on the weekends, wherever else, you know. Somebody had me working, so, and then Mary paid paid me well, so you know, it, that was and because she promoted me. So when I left Wednesday, she promoted me to the weekend host. Okay. So I hosted every Friday and Saturday for a couple of years too, and uh, honestly, it's like, you know, working a corporate job. Most comics wouldn't have quit. Like I, everybody thought I was stupid when I decided to leave, but I was just ready for. I wanted more, and it was comfortable. The money was good, but I wanted more. I needed I needed more. I saw myself doing more. I'm like this this getting too comfortable. So what made you decide? What was the moment that made you decide to leave that gig? I mean, with me, I mean, I do everything in my life, mostly through prayer for real. You know, everybody do whatever they do, but that's what I do. I pray about it, and I think about it, and I envision it, and I'm like, I'm, I'm, I need to be doing more. So once I saw in my brain that I should be doing more stuff, I prayed about it. I called her, told her I prayed about it. I want to leave. And I love Mary for that because she could, you know, I, I've said that to a couple of people. They're like, you crazy. But uh, she was like, okay, I get it. And um, right, and I didn't even know what was next. Honestly, I'm like, what am I going to do? At the time, I was I was still married. And I just had the kids. And I was just like, oh, what am I doing? And Ricky Smiley. Um, it's always weird. I have, like, such a crazy, like, it feel like somebody scripted my comedy story. Because I ended up touring with Ricky right after that. And that was... That was fun touring all over the country. Ricky Smiley, um, and when was this? This was like a, this was like twenty twelve. Oh, okay. Twenty eleven. So this was after the first time I saw you was in, in twenty ten mm. when I came out for Just for Laughs Chicago, and yep. I saw you open up for Cedric the Entertainer's taping. He was doing an urban circus show. Yep. I I, I wrote about you even as an opening act who wasn't part of the taping because I was impressed. <laughs> And I, I remember I, I I copied it down so I would remember what he wrote. Uh, I said that, uh, well, first, let me just say that Lil Rel did a more than respectable job warming up the crowd at the <laughs> Chicago Theater as part of Just for Laugh Chicago, killing with local stories, jokes about black people wearing Black Hawks jerseys to get off from work, crazy women <laughs> on the bus, and having fun with an audience member's giant sunglasses. Lil Rel's vocal delivery is reminiscent of the late Bernie Max, which either makes him a perfect fit for this assignment or impossibly awkward. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not part of the televised portion of this show, so let's move on. So I moved on with my review. That's, that's, was uh, that, does that, was that's that accurate? <laughs> I remember I actually remember reading that. Because I want to people, I Google everything. Oh, yeah. And, Comedians uh, are, are 
as narcissistic as anybody. So. Man, you just sometimes you want to know like, what they think. Yeah, did anybody see that? Did anybody see that I did something? But uh, that was that was my first time working with Sid. To Sid handpicked me for that. How how did that happen? Uh, I don't. I think they was watching some tape or something. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at somebody else, and then I came on after that, and then said, was like, yo, I want him to do the, to open up. Because I was like, yo, I want a tape. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, nah, but you could do your set. Because it could have made it into the, sh- into into the, the actual the show. show. I think they was talking about it at the time, because they, they filmed it. Right. Um, but it was like, you know, we wait, did I make it in that show? No, or was it another show? I gotta think about that. I'm cause something happened, and they. I, I gotta remember. I don't remember. I'm gonna say it about that. Yeah, let's let's dig uh, that up first. Some it was throwback a, Thursday. One a of throwback these Thursdays. Thursday, man. But it was a fun. Said the entertainer is like one of my big brothers and mentors in the game. So what did he? What did he teach you about? Comedy? Man, not even just comedy, just the business of it. Okay. You know what I mean, like he. Um, when I first started doing stuff like Friends of the People, and mm-hmm. and I had legit questions about how can I do other shit because he's always doing more than one thing. Right. And I'm like, so how do you, you know, contract-wise, how do you do that? And he was just telling me what the language should be. And, you know, I remember talking to my agents and managers more about it after talking to him. But, uh, man, we have our sit-downs, man. We have a cigar in New York. Last year in New York, we had a cigar, man. Went to, he took me to some cigar place in Brooklyn. Okay. Brooklyn was in Harlem. No, I was in Harlem. It's been a while since I've had a cigar. Man, I, I don't even do it. So, you know, my first puff, I was <laughs> couldn't breathe. But I was uh, but we sit down, you know, have a cognac and just rap. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you know, one of the things I always respect about he always be like, hey dog, you know what I like about you, real? You be on it. You be see, everybody else always wants something from people, but you, you don't be asking me for nothing. Mm-hmm. You just we just talk. We advice. You know, because advice is more valuable to somebody. Just you know, people can make a call for you, but that's cool. I like earning my stuff. So the advice you give me, I take that and run with. I think that's way more valuable um, than um, just somebody said, oh, could you put Laurel on this? Yeah. You know, so I, like he, even with the Carmichael show, that was my first time doing a sitcom. So when I came out to L.A. To, and I had a day off, I called him, and he had me come on a Soul Man set just to see what a walkthrough looks like. Okay. And it actually helped me uh, be ready for the Carmichael show because I was a little nervous because I'd never done anything like that before. And, uh, yeah, I set up the Soul Man set and, Watched everything, and then after that we sat and talked again. He's like, "Yo, you know, you know, in between, you know, you gotta learn when to let the crowd laugh and then deliver. You can repeat stuff. You know, it's just giving me game. So, man, I, I appreciate said a lot actually. Well, one of the things you you said he told you fascinates me about not wanting anything from him because mm-hmm. so many comedians, even even back when I was an aspiring comic and MC. Anytime a headliner came through town, I had this urge to bum rush them after the show and ask them all sorts of questions. And I know a lot of comedians are the same way. They right. just want to they want to pick your brain for for everything. How how did you how do how do you control that urge? That's funny. That's a great. Like I always play things cool. <laughs> I, I'm for real. I always think I'm gonna meet you again. So mm-hmm. it's a couple times I had a chance to do that and I didn't do that. And he 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 remembered that. So next time we saw it, it was always cool. Right. Oh, real could come hang. He cool. He ain't gonna be crazy and weird and try to make me laugh and all that other stuff the whole time. So not gonna be on. Yeah, like, and that's what I did. All I did, like everybody, I'm cool. I'm cool with a lot of these comics based on just chilling. You know what I mean? Like Russell Peters is another good friend of mine. You know what I'm saying? Like when I decided when I decided to do this hour, I wanted to be presented by somebody. So I talked to Russell and said about it separately first. 
Kevin came up, you know, through uh, my agents and managers, like, yo, because I told him, like, I think I'm going to have Sid or Russell. They both said they're interested, they'll do it. And they're like, well, what you think about Kevin? I'm like, well, ask him, see if he want to do it. And uh, Kevin said, yeah, and rap with Kevin. Kevin was excited about it, you know right. what I mean? So, um, it's, but it's always just been cool. I ain't never really, like, even with Kevin Hart, like, when Kevin was on his rise, I, we had a conversation I'll never forget at a club in Chicago, and he was telling me this was finna happen. Like, what happened, where he's at? He was like, Rap, it's about to go down. Everybody think about that. And it's like for real, right before, maybe I think, uh, maybe right after grown, uh, I'm a grown little man. Right, because so, then he did the, then his next one was a, was a movie. Yeah. And, and that's where he blew up. Well, no, the second one was a Comedy Central one too, but that one was even, that was a big Comedy Central one. That was when LeBron was at, that's the one he shot in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. So he, right before that though, he was just like, hey, Rap, it's going down. Hey man, hope you're ready, man, because we about to get it in. You know, well, he's like, and I remember him being like, yo, you know, I gotta take care of my man in the first, you know, spanking Naeem and blah, 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 because he's a loyal friend like that. Plastic cup boys. Yeah. So he's like, but real, I got you. And I was like, well, I mean, you ain't gotta have me, bro. I'm good. <laughs> 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 and it's me not knowing if I was good, but I'm just not that type of guy to be like, yo, right. wait, no, nah, I man, fam, however it works out, it's gonna work out. So it's just dope to see years later, you know, through my hard work. You know what I mean? Through his hard work, he's able to produce this, and he let me he let me do the special like I wanted to. I'm very particular about how I like to do things, and I fought for a couple of things. Cause, you know, even the, you know my director Royale Watkins that was that was big for me oh, yeah, to, to get him to do it. Royale's my Mixed friend. Tape. He's a beast. He's a he has an eye for this. He's a great producer and director. And I, wa I wanted a comedian to do to direct it, not just a not just somebody who just direct a bunch of specials, which you know sometimes like, well, mm -hmm. we, we usually use. Nah, I want no usually use. He don't know me like oh he saw footage. Nah, I don't count. I want somebody who knows me. You know, it's my first hour. It's that first like you know stamp. Like I want you know what yeah. I mean. So I need somebody who knows my comedy for real. Did you take the same approach to deciding where to film it? Uh yep. I, well, it, but it was easier though because I knew I wanted to film at the Vic Theater. I went to see Janelle Monet. Well, Hannibal shot his special there first, yeah. and that's when I first was like, "All right, okay, this can happen." <laughs> and then because I opened for his special, okay. And then um, I went to see Janelle Monet there. I was all in the back, me, me and my ex-wife at the time. I was like, "Yo, I'm gonna shoot my special here." Like I just said it like out loud. Like, no, I'm <laughs> gonna shoot because it looks so amazing. I was like in the top rafters because we bought the tickets last minute. I'm just like, oh, this is amazing. If you got this place rocking, it's got to be crazy. I got to shoot my special here. And it's like an old dingy downstairs. It's just yeah. old school and classic. It you know is what I mean? Old. Just an old good theater. <laughs> they used to film there all the time. They filmed. HBO filmed a, like a, a whole bunch wave of them. Of special. Martin special was shot there. Robin Williams special. Yeah. I mean, not Robin, Robin uh, Harris special was shot there. It, a, a, a gang of people shot their specials there, yeah. and uh, just to be a part of that was um, it looks great. It looks exactly how I wanted. I didn't want all that crazy stuff because I remember me and Kev was somebody. So how you want the stage to look? I'm like you know, just want a, a nice curtain back there mm -hmm. and some lights. <laughs> so yeah. you don't want your name in lights, a little red sparkling? <laughs> nah, no, no. I just want one, just mic stand and stool and pay yeah. attention to you. That's it. Yeah, nice. How how did that compare to the to the gigs when you were a few years earlier back on the road with, with Ricky Smiley? Uh, I mean, it's always different when it's when you're the show. Yeah. You know, but... So, so nah. when you were when you were just the opener... It still was great because yeah. it's... Rick, but, like, what Ricky was amazing about him, he, ho he, he 
he headline hosts his shows. Okay. So he's still doing a bunch of time, but in between everybody, which I think is sometimes a smart thing to do, to be honest with you. So you don't burn yourself out <laughs> trying to head go up after a bunch of people. If you go in between, you could play a lot of different ways like that. But what he did, he always made sure he brought great openers. So he always the crowd always felt like they was being introduced to somebody that's new and hot. You know what I mean? And uh, Ricky was really encouraging too, man. Ricky always like, hey dog, you got this dog. You gonna be huge, dog. Watch. You gonna be huge one. I might need you one day, dog. Which one of those things would you consider <laughs> your your first biggest break? Um, I, well, it's hard to say. Like, I, honestly, this is what I think my biggest break is: is doing the Olivia Color reboot with Keenan Ivory Wayans. Because because of that, I was introduced to mainstream. It made it easier for me to come in. You know, I think that's how I got on that variety list. <laughs> oh, they're right there, the comics to watch. Man, yo, it's it was. You know, I want the people. You give me a credit, I'm flipping it. You know what I mean? I'm going to run with that credit. I'm going to get whatever I can get out of it. But Ken Ivy Waynes is such an important person to this business. If he stamps you and say, hey, I think this guy is great, everybody like, who is this? I remember, like, I felt like a uh, like an NBA like high school or college star or something because every time I used to come off set, it was agents waiting in the lobby to sit with me or whatever. And I thought it was dope. So I had a lot of free meals and drinks. <laughs> With and, agents, it's crazy. And even though that reboot never came to pass, you still ended up the the formula for Friends of the People That's came out of that. Friends of People came literally because of it. Like, yeah, we found out the Olivia Color reboot wasn't going to air because it's supposed to come on as a special, and we found out it wasn't going to air at Just for Laughs. So imagine you coming there to celebrate this stuff, and people <laughs> celebrating, you, and you got to act like right, you're a yeah, comic to watch. yeah, it's coming on. <laughs> But you know, like the way they, they already told me in the email. So it, <laughs> I mean, David Allen Grills, first time I met him, and he sat down with me, like, you know, that's the business. Don't, you know, don't trip it. Ain't on y'all. Just, you know, it's, you just gotta always think about the next thing, man. And we was all at the Funny or Die party. It was me, Jermaine, the Lucas brothers, Josh. And uh, I was just like, dude, let's just do our own show. Now, Jermaine was already finna have his own sketch show in the works. Okay. Avi was already pitching it for him. And I was like, well, why don't we just make the show? Like, Jermaine was like, well, shoot, let's all just, I already got it. You know, I'm already going to start pitching a show. Let's just mm -hmm. all do a show. Like, yeah, let's just do a show. It was that casual. Like, yo, let's just do a, let's do our own damn show. <laughs> and Avi I, called me maybe two days after I got from Montreal. Like, yo, so can you fly to New York <laughs> so we can pitch it? I'm like, pitch what? Oh, what I said the other day? I was just talking. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah, it, it happened just like that. We all sat in a room together, came up with like the the, the pitch sketches mm -hmm. in one day. We just sat there for like five, six, seven hours, just laughing and throwing ideas out and came up with a pitch and was able to pitch at the time it was a Legion of Goons. Yeah, I was gonna say, how glad are you now that it's Friends of the People and not called Legion of Legion Goons? Legion of Goons is an amazing name. Really? I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I thought that was the coolest day, but I still think it's a dope day. But then we couldn't keep it because Comedy Central, oh, you know, on Legion of Goons. So I thought you just didn't want to be called Goons because there's also le there's a Legion of Skanks group of comedians. Oh, why okay. why are comedians always goons and skanks? But and goons, goons is goons though. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like a goon. Oh, it's some gangster about goons, but yeah. But now we're friends of the people. Friends of the people. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want you. I don't want you to pick a be, a best friend of the people. But who was your first friend of the people? 
Which uh, one of those was your first friend? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Just chronologically. Jennifer Bartell. Jennifer Bartell. How'd you meet Jennifer? Uh, Living Color Reboot. Okay. We all, me, her, and Jen, uh, me, Jennifer, and Jermaine was all, but Jermaine at the time, was get, he used to get on my nerves, like, because he has so much energy. Yeah. And he's I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm an adult, right? So, <laughs> you're like, yo, let's take our per diem and buy Xboxes. I'm like, no, I got a family, fam. I'm going to send this money to pay some bills. <laughs> but it, it was so funny. He used to, I'm telling you, Jermaine used to get on my nerves. And it wasn't until Shocked. I saw Shocked. his set and I was like, I went to see him at the laugh. Let me go watch his set. And he was amazing. And I'm like, oh, I get it. Maybe I'm a grumpy old dude because I was around a bunch of bitter comedians for too long. <laughs> you, you're happy. <laughs> and after that, we became really good. And he actually made me a happier. It's so funny because I, I guess I didn't realize I was around that like that. But, you know, those guys are a lot happier. Like the. You know, Josh, they, Kevin. Yeah, they're young Kevin's a happy, and they have money. I think of them as a happy. Well, now they have money. Yeah, yeah but they they didn't have like they like twenty four, twenty five. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and and I mean they doing they doing okay, like more than okay. Yeah, and it's like it takes a long time. <laughs> I, I started from the Chitlin Circuit, man. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you had to do lounges where you standing on the bar, and they's trying <laughs> to watch Sports Center. Like, hey man, shut up! Well, no, it's a comedy show. I don't care. <laughs> so it's like. So they have a, a looseness to them that's not, it's not, right. it's, it's not as, pr they don't feel as much, pr I, I felt pressure one time, like I gotta get this done, because I gotta feed my family, <laughs> there's so much pressure. Well then, then you, kind of going from that to Gerard Carmichael's show, I mean he's so young, Same thing. but he's laid back. All so. these dudes are geniuses, man, like yeah. I think, and I'm, I mean it, and some people probably think it's too early to say that, but I, I see how hard they work. Like I'm like I look at like Josh kept I'm like best friends with everybody now, you know, and I've took a role of the big brother of the group really, you know. So mm -hmm. I individually talked to all of them about whatever, and and you know, I've never seen people. Well, I saw so much potential, and I know what everybody's potential is, and it's just it, it's an honor working with them. That's why they man, you real, you're great, man. I'm, like, I'm cool with y'all. No man, y'all like y'all it, y'all gonna be it. <laughs> And Gerard the same way. I think Gerard is just, you know, in light of what Cosby did, <laughs> Gerard has a chance to, to to have some type of, that type of thing going on, you know, not the bad the, the stuff. The good stuff. Yeah, the good stuff, you know. Right. And he's a, he's a great writer, man, and he has a vision, and he loves sitcoms. So he did this based on the old school style of it. That's the reason I did this. I always tell people, like, everyone, like, oh, this is such a big deal. That you, I mean, it's cool that I, I did it, but I did it because I'm Gerard's friend. He called me. I didn't. I literally thought after Friends of the People, I was just going to do my own show. Okay. <laughs> that was my goal. Like, I'm going to do a sketch show for a couple years, and then I'm going to do my own sitcom. But Gerard was very adamant about how he wanted to do this, and I was proud of him, and I wanted to be a part of that because it sounded like it was something really dope. So did you audition for it? I screen test for it. Okay. So, I mean... Look, if I ain't booked this, I'd have been the worst actor in the world, cause he wrote it for. H had you done a pilot season before? No, not. I've been. You know what's crazy? The last since Olivia Card has been booking stuff. Okay. So I've never had to really participate in that. That's very interesting. I have. Even though you I, live I just, in L.A., I just you keep don't... booking stuff. Yeah. I, so I had to go through ooh all these auditions. I've always had a job. <laughs> that's nice. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, cause I don't. I, that's why I'm like, I'm scared now, cause I done did that three times straight. And I don't want to go through that one season where I gotta like 
five pilot auditions and yeah. like that. I feel all the pressure. I don't want to go through that. That's why I think you're sitting I, in the hallway with I'm, 20 other guys. I, I, next thing I do is pitch. Like I'm gonna take a couple weeks off and just write, and um, you know, hopefully I'm able to like write my own. Yeah, I'm gonna write my own show, two show ideals. Yeah, I'm gonna write, do some good stuff. Now, uh, what was, you know, you mentioned booking jobs. What was what was the last day job you had before you <laughs> walked into? Worked at Victoria's Secret. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How long did that last? I was there for like yeah, like a couple years. That was like my first. That was my last real job. Cause I started doing comedy full time early. I ain't had nothing to lose at the time. I had no bills, no kids. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I got my parents' house. I'm good. I ain't gotta work. So how did you know? <laughs> how did you know to 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 quit? What was the moment where you said, you know, I don't I don't need lingerie. I mean, look, I got I got comedy. One I of got, the, that's one I of got the, Wednesday nights. One I of got, the I'm greatest hot. jobs was Victoria. Like I worked in a stock room because all the guys work in the stock room. And, but I used to dress up, so the other guys, just, you know, we was putting up boxes. They would wear put up boxes clothes. Not me. I wore like a, cause I wasn't impressed. Man, every girl that worked there was fine. Ugh, it's just a great job. Man. So how did you quit? Comedy. No, but I mean, how did you? Did you just go up and say, you know what, this is nice and all? But... Well, no, but honestly, they were starting to lay off people. Uh huh. And I just was like, you know, I think she talked to me. Well, we were, we were, we were mad if you stayed, but I'm like, no, nah, I'm cool. I'm gonna do comedy because you know what's funny everybody that worked there and this might sound crazy had like these dreams like so all these victorious these like someone wanted to be models and actresses and writers and was, everybody was encouraging each other so they're like yeah go do stand up go do your thing yeah it's very interesting victoria's secret is developing it, i wouldn't be surprised a lot more people were at victoria's secret just they said it yet if 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 for some reason you did have a lull between jobs would you ever consider going going back or Nah. nah, I mean, nah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, not to that specific store. <laughs> nah, nah. It's like, that, that'll be a depressing. Day. That's not your fallback option. It's not my fallback option. <laughs> Do you have one? There's no options. No, this is it. This is all I think about is what the next. Like now, like the director bug has right. hit me, and, and Ooh, I want to produce more. Okay. Yeah, like Bobcat Goldwait is so dope, and just being around here just made me want to. I like that. I like to create. I just like creating, and being a, like seeing the way he directs is not my type of style. Of director, I want to direct. Like, oh, this is this is man, bro. I could do this. Now, yeah. when you you mentioned talking with David Alan Greer on the show, mm -hmm. uh, who was the first one between the two of you to bring up the in the color reboot? Since we've been at the Carmichael show, yeah, yeah, we it hasn't been brought up. Oh, so you talked to him. Before that, yeah, we had talked literally when I first met him. It was at the Just for Last festival. Okay, and we just happened to just talk. We talked for like thirty minutes, man. I be, that's what I'm, I be chilling, man. So like people talk to me, I don't be extra. So yeah, it's like all right, he he's a cool dude. You know what I mean? Then you go hang out with him. That's my thing. Like I talk to you and we party together. Let you know that I ain't you know that's how I you know I get it in. You know what I mean? It's, I ain't no corny dude. I ain't gonna be sitting here all night talking about comedy. Look at Shorty right there. You wanna meet her? All right, I got you. <laughs> That's your thing. What's uh? <laughs> so what's over over all the years? What's the last? What's the last bit of great bit of advice you've received? Uh, God, I got so much. Like Terry Crews has turned into like my 
advice person. Mm-hmm. And I ain't look, I don't let everybody think I'm just name dropping. Like, I'm legitimately cool with these people. Like, and I've changed my circle, so this is who I hang out with. And um, But Terry gives me more, like, grown man advice. Like, you like, damn, that's real. You know, and sometimes I don't even tell them that it's so real to me. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, I know, man. But in my head, like, oh, man, why nobody tell me this three years ago? <laughs> but... It, <laughs> He gives out a he gives out great grown man advice, but all of them do get off give off the same thing about working. Mm-hmm. Just keep working, you know. That's one of the things you see with David and Loretta Devine. They've been in this game a long time, especially when I hear them tell it. Like they met doing Dream Girls, you know what I mean? Oh wow, that's eighty two. Yeah, and they these and they and they always talk about all these different people they've met over the years. They always like, what happened to Sammy? What happened? Like to be two people that are still standing from that and. You seen people come and go. That's that's crazy. That means you just kept working. And Loretta and David both said that like when a lot of people stayed in New York, especially for that Broadway group, they left and went to L.A. Man, and just started working, auditioning for everything. You know what I mean? Loretta sang and did stuff at some of the, the nightclubs and stuff. It just, you know, some people dream. I mean, work harder what they dream, man. Some people just be like right, maybe something will fall in place, but some people work at it. And those are two workers. That's why I was dope working with them, man. Like, we got a chance to work with, like, two amazing, very uh, powerful actors. <laughs> and their time and they're funny. Like, David Allegri, I couldn't, I messed up a couple of scenes watching, because he's so funny. He make all these David Allegri faces. And he's just like, oh, I can't keep, I can't keep, up. I laugh every time. It's just, it is <laughs> insane how he, if, I don't. It's just I don't know how. It's just natural. It's just it's really. I'm a big fan of him, right? And it was one of those things like I didn't want him to think I was just lying. Like no, fam. It's it's certain like lip twitches and handshakes I do based on watching you. You know what I mean? So to watch it in person was just yeah. like this is crazy. This dude is making a day out of grip faces. Oh, he doing a quick finger. <laughs> yeah, it's just he's a, he's amazing, man. And he's so funny, man, all the time. So so. So keep working is what they tell you. Keep what, working. What when a young comic approaches you and asks you, "Hey, how do I do, how do I do what you do?" What's the first thing you tell them? Uh, just hit that stage, man, and don't just be yourself. You know, you. I think comics stress themselves, especially when they when they get to the point where you start showcasing and you know for the festivals and all this stuff, and you start thinking about what do they want to see, what are they looking for. You can't do that, man. <laughs> You drive yourself crazy because that changes all the time. You they don't know what they're looking for half the time. To be honest with you, so you have to do be yourself and be what they're looking for. You know what I mean? Just be what they're mm-hmm. looking for. Like I don't, I mean, I don't, the, everything started happening for me once I stopped caring about what they thought, or even what the crowd thinks. Sometimes I do what I think is funny. If you like it, shoot me the dobos. If you don't, hey. <laughs> well, right now you're doing something right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lil Rel, it's it's been great to have you here. You're 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 working so hard. You're taking the advice to heart. You just keep working. You're on Friends of the People on True TV. <sighs> oh, such a fun show. Gerard Carmichael show on NBC. Mm-hmm. And your first hour on Comedy Central in September, presented by Kevin Hart. What's the what's the, what's the title of it again? Relevant. Relevant. Russell Peters calls me relevant all the time. And what's the what's the drop date on that? September 5th, yeah. September 5th. September 5th, yes. 
So if it's September 4th or earlier, get on that. If it's September 5th <laughs> or later, you can ask for it on demand. <laughs> demand it. It's going to be great. I mean, I'm so proud of it, man. This is, this is um, you know, I'm, I'm ex- I say this. I'm excited. Even just talking now about it, I guess when I think about it, is uh, next week is going to be interesting for me just to feel the karma, just to feel it. And mm. uh, I'm excited for my family to see me on a sitcom that's that's who make it a big deal once you're around family like you got that you know your old auntie's like we're so proud of you we turned to channel five yeah they don't it's channel five what yeah, channel yeah. is true tv <laughs> they like we do. but they watch everything though right but but they can but they know from their right from when so, they were young they yeah, know channel exactly. five channel five is like they don't even look at it like it's nbc you know what i mean they, they, right, they're it's like it's channel, channel five, five. You, you come on right before the news <laughs> <laughs> well, this is an exciting time for you, and I'm so glad you you spent a little bit of it with me. Hey, man, have fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, Laurel. Thank you. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music by Camille Harris and Shockwave. Logo by Giggle Chick. Please check out my website, thecomicscomic.com, for more interviews, reviews, and comedy news. Become a paid subscriber at patreon.com. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Last things first. Last things first.